This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. Morning, everyone. Good morning, those online. Thanks for joining us. It's a real privilege to be here. Do I have a message for you today? My prayer today is that I do not represent God um, in the wrong way. And my, also, my, my prayer is that we're not offended by his word, because it's a tough one. Are you ready? Let's pray and let's go. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather in the name of Jesus. Thank you that you've given me the ability and the gifting to be able to present your word clearly. Father, I pray that I'll present you well today, that you will anoint me with your spirit to speak your word truthfully, and you'll give us hearts, those in the room, those that are watching online, ears and hearts that are open to hear from you. Father, we commit this time to you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to start by telling you that my wife and I have a very different taste in television shows and movies. Um, When we first got married, um, in our first year of marriage, on on a Friday night between 7.30 and 11, 7.30, 8 30, 9, so 7.30 and 10.30 on a Friday night, they had on Law and Order, and it was like three one-hour episodes, and we watched that on a Friday night, and uh, I actually really liked the show, so a, a couple of years ago, I purchased the, uh, the complete box set of Law and Order from 1990 through to 2010, 1993, let me check the date, no, 1990 through to 2010, and there are 456 episodes of Law and Order. <laughs> Now, we started a couple of years ago, and out of the 20 series, we're up to series seven, right? Series seven, because it takes a long time to get through 456 episodes. Now, I started by telling you that my taste and my wife's taste in television shows is a bit different. This is a show that we agree we watch together, but we start the show differently. Law and Order starts with um, a voiceover that says something like this. The police who investigate crimes and the district attorney who prosecute the offences. These are their stories. Who knows what I'm talking about? Three people. Good. Just good. Um, That's how it starts. And and, and it starts then with some sort of a crime or somebody coming across a body, right? Now, for me, I just watch that. I don't have a problem with that. But my wife, when she... Because it's always at the beginning, the crime or the body. She either turns her face away or sort of covers her hands with her eyes until that bit's over. And then she's okay for the, for the rest of the show. Can anyone relate to that? How many people relate to Michelle, my wife? Hands up. Those who relate to Michelle. Who, who, who's like me, just can watch it, no problems. It's the tough people in the room. Yeah, <laughs> tough people. Well, the uh, reason I share that is because we've been reading the um, book of Deuteronomy. And let me tell you that as I've been reading through the book of Deuteronomy, I feel like I want to close my eyes or cover my eyes because of what I'm reading. Because I just don't like some of the text. I just think it's awful. Um, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. The book of Deuteronomy is the story of God is about to send his people into the land that he's promised them. And to take over this land. And there's people living there. They have cities, they have fields, they have, they have buildings, they have economy, they have all this stuff, they have kings. And God says to go and to take this land, and not only take the land, but absolutely and utterly wipe out the inhabitants of the land, the men, the women, and the children. 
I remember as a kid um, going to Sunday school and the, the, the Sunday school teacher would tell the story of Jericho, um, Joshua chapter 6, where they, and then we'd build like cushions or we'd get cardboard boxes and we'd build this city of Jericho. And then we'd all march around it seven times and then go, and bow and shout and then the walls would all fall down and we'd celebrate the victory. True? Anyone else relate to that? But if we actually think about what was happening at the time, they went, the walls fell down, and then the Israelites went and killed all the inhabitants of that town. And at the time, as a young person, you hear that story and don't make any sense of it, but as an older person, thinking about what that meant, that God is asking for his people to kill, annihilate, wipe out, destroy another people group. And as I've been reading Deuteronomy, I've been struggling with this. It's like I want to cover my eyes and go, God, is that, is that really there? Is that really there? And when we come across stuff like this, um, we've got to be careful because these sorts of things can rock our faith. When God does stuff that we don't expect or he doesn't do things that we think he should do, maybe we've been praying for something for a really long time and we don't see the outcome that we desire, that can really mess with our faith when God acts or doesn't act in the ways that we think he should. And when we see a text like this we're about to read in Deuteronomy 7, it can easily lead us to a place, God, what are you doing? Um, I'm not sure if I like this. And these moments in life, these incidents, we can either say, God, um, not, not interested anymore, or maybe change our perception of who God is and around his character and have a different understanding of who he is. Or we can get to these messy bits and go, you know what, I'm going to dig a bit deeper here and I'm going to find out what's really going on. And that's what I want us to do today, to dig a bit deeper into this text and say, God, what is really going on? Why? Why would you ask the Israelites to wipe these people out? Why? Help me understand this, God. Help me understand you and your character. So that's where we're going today. Um, I wonder if you, you can relate to what I'm talking about. But it's something that I've been journeying um, with and on, and I want to take you on the journey today. So the text is from Deuteronomy 7, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to read it. It's on the screen. Oh, that Canaanite's a bit funny. Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. Here it is. When the Lord your God brings you into the land you're entering to possess and drives out before you many nations... The Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and I say the Termites and the Vegemites, we have them in as well, and the Jubasites, seven nations larger and stronger than you. Verse 2. And when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. There it is. You are to destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. Do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars. Smash their sacred stones. Cut down their Asherah poles. And burn their idols in the fire. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. As we look at this text today, I want us to ask three questions. The first question we're going to ask is, who are the people? The second question we're going to ask is, why did God want them destroyed? And thirdly, how does this relate to us? 
So let's look at each, each question. The first question is, who were the people? We're told in verse 1, they were the, um, the Lord brings you into this land, a land you're going to possess, and he's going to drive out before you the many nations, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, all the ites. Now, who were these people? As I said before, they were the people living in the land. They'd been there for many, many years, hundreds of years. We're told about the Amorites in uh, Genesis chapter 14, where um, Abraham makes a treaty with the Amorites. And he says, can you help me go find my nephew Lot? He's been taken, yeah? And the Amorites go with Abraham and they rescue Lot. We're also told in Genesis 15 that, that our God promises Abraham the land, but not yet because it says in, Gen- um, in uh, Genesis 15, 16, the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its fulfillment. So God had seen the sin of the Amorites and he's allowing it to, to go for a season before he comes against them. The Canaanites, they're the um, grandson of Noah. You've got Noah, and then you've got Ham, and then you've got Canaan. Ham, because he treated his dad disrespectfully, a curse was put on him and his family line, the Canaanites. Um, the Hittites were a descendant of Noah's great-grandson, Heth, and also a descendant of Canaan. But other than that, we don't know a lot about who these people were. But what we do know is that they had cities, they had crops, they had economies, and they had kings. They had leaders over their people, and they'd been there for hundreds of years. That's the first thing I want to talk to you about. That's the first question. Number two is this. Why did God want them destroyed? Let's look at verse two. For when the Lord your God has delivered them over to you and you have defeated them, then you must destroy them totally. Make no treaty with them and show them no mercy. He wants them destroyed. The question I've got is, why did God want these people destroyed? And I have two answers for you. The first answer is because of sin. Sin is simply wrongdoing. Yeah, it's wrongdoing. And the Bible teaches us that sin is not determined by what we think it is and what society says it is. Sin is determined by what God says it is. It says in our Romans chapter 3, for all have sinned, all of, and sin simply means missing the mark. It's like a bow and arrow. You've got a dart, a a target, and you shoot for the middle of that bullseye and you miss. That's what it means. That's what it means to sin. We, we miss the mark. And what's the mark? The glory of God. Full of sin and full of short of the glory of God. The target is God's glory. His glory is who he is. It's his character. It's his nature. It's his attitude. It's his behavior. It's the fullness of who God is. And that, as you look at God's fullness, is, our, is a standard in which God wants us to live. He wants us, we're made in his image and he wants us to live like him. And the Bible says none of us do it. All of us fall short of his standard. And because of that, another verse in Romans 6, 23, what we deserve for our sin is death, the wages. Wages is what you deserve. You work, you get paid. Your wages is what you deserve for your work. Because of your sin, you deserve death. And this death is in three parts. The first death is that when we sin, and the Bible talks about the first people sin because of their sin, that we're all in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, dead to God. Because of our wrongdoing, we're not in relationship with God. Our spirit is not connected to God. We are dead to God. The second part of death is that our body dies. We were once designed to live forever, but now it's 120 years. And as soon as you're born, you start to grow, and then your body starts to break down. Your body starts to die. And after 80, after 100 years, whatever it is, your body dies. The third part of death is eternal death. That after we live, there is judgment, and there's heaven or hell, and hell is eternal death. 
death separated from God forever. That is what we deserve for our sin, death. And as we look through the Old Testament, we see that God has brought death on people over and over again throughout history. Look at the story of the flood. In the story of the flood, the Bible says, look at the flood story, Genesis chapter 6, way back. Um, way back at the beginning of the Bible, it says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness, there's the word, the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created, the the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I've made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. And so God floods the earth, and he starts again with Noah. We see it with Sodom and Gomorrah, that because of their wickedness and their sin, God destroyed the city. And we see it here in the book of Deuteronomy. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 5. It says, this is Moses talking to the Israelites. He says, it's not because of your righteousness or your integrity that you're going to go in and take possession of this land, but on account of the wickedness of these nations. The Lord your God will drive them out before you to accomplish what he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Why did God want them destroyed? Because of their sin. And God brought, he simply brought their, their, their life, their death shorter. They were still dead to God. They still deserved eternal death. But instead of living 80, 90, 100 years, God brought that forward and had them destroyed. Why? Because of their wickedness. Friends, sin, sin is really serious. God is so holy and so pure, and that's what he desires from each one of us, to live a holy and pure life. And the reality is none of us do it. So as we talk about the sin of these people, we need to ask ourselves the question, well, what was their sin? Let's talk about the sin of the people who were living in the land. Deuteronomy 7 verse 5 says this, This is what you are to do to them. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, cut down their Asherah poles, and burn their idols in the fire. What was their main problem? The idols. The worship of these idols. Idols are things where we worship the creation rather than the creator. Whatever we celebrate more than the creator becomes an idol. And for them, the, the biggest idol was a, um, a, a god named Baal. The word Baal in Hebrew also means master and husband. And it refers to a specific um, deity called Hadad, who is known as the storm god. So Baal is the storm god. You might know the story in 1, Corinthians, um, 1 Kings 18, where Elijah is up in Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, and they build the sacrifice, and they call down the, 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 the lightning and the fire from heaven because they're calling out to Baal, the storm god. And if you know the story, they, nothing happens, but then Elijah calls on the god of heaven after covering it with water, and it's, and it's consumed. Alongside Baal was his companion, the, the goddess Asherah. She was the goddess of... The, she was known as the god of the sea. The altars in this text talks about the places they would put their sacrifices. 
The sacred stones, like it talks in this text, were carved out images of these gods. And the people were worshipping these gods rather than the creator. Now you might think that's not so bad. Well, let me give you some more. Because there was then behaviour that went with these gods. Now, they didn't know at the time, but we do now because of the New Testament, that Satan is the one working in those who are disobedient. So Satan is influencing these people, these, giga, these, these um, Canaanites and the other ites. He's influencing their behavior. And Satan does the opposite to God. So the people influenced by Satan worked out a way for them to worship these gods. We're going to worship the God of the sea. We're going to worship the God of the storm. We're going to worship the God of all these political, many, many, many gods, pantheon of gods, hundreds and hundreds of them. And we're going to worship them in certain ways. And the people influenced by Satan came up with different ways to worship these gods. And it was totally opposite to what God wanted. To worship these gods meant to lie. Do not lie. Steal. Do not steal. Adultery. Living wild lives. They had temple shrine prostitutes. To worship this god, you would then sleep with the temple prostitute. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 12... Verse 31, Moses talks about them. He says, you must not worship the Lord your God in their way, in the way of the Canaanites, in the idol worship, because in worshiping their gods, they do all kinds of detestable things the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters in the fire as sacrifices to their gods. There was a god named Molech, and I shared this before, iron statue. They would put fire under the arms, the arms would heat up, and then they put their children on it as a sacrifice to their gods. They not only worship these gods, but they live the life totally opposite to what God wanted. And as a result, God said, enough's enough. The first problem, the, the first reason why God told them to be destroyed was to do with their sin. The second reason God wanted them destroyed was because of their influence. Look at verse 3 and 4. It says, do not intermarry with them. Do not give your daughters to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. For they will turn your children away from following me to serve other gods. And the Lord's anger will burn against you and will quickly destroy you. You know, the word Baal, which I mentioned before in Hebrew, means the word master and husband. And that is how God, Yahweh God, actually describes himself for the Israelites. So there was an easy way of that getting confused. And he didn't want his people getting influenced by them, worshipping their gods, and getting involved in their behaviour. So he says, you cannot live with them. They need to go. Look at verse 6. He says, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his his treasured possessions. In that scripture, it uses the word holy, means to be set apart, means to be different. God wanted his people to be different from the other nations. He wanted his people to represent him on the face of the earth. God says, I've chosen you out to be my treasured possession. And if you're living like that, you can't belong to me. So I'm calling you out to live separate, and I want you to destroy them because of their sin and because of their influence on you. Now, praise God, this is old covenant. (laughs) Yeah, this is not for us today. It's not. We're under a new covenant. Jesus has fulfilled the old covenant for us. But this is what God said to the Israelites. 
And as I read it, I go, yuck, I really don't like that God, that, that whole wiping out. But if we look at it through our eyes and we compare it with our reality and what the media says and what we think is okay and our morality, where we're looking at the scriptures wrong, we need to look at this from God's perspective, from the glory of God, from the character and the nature of God. Okay, God, it's there. And the, and, the, and the reason it's there is because you're concerned for your people. You don't want them influenced and you've had enough of sin and sin is serious. And rather than dying at the age of 100 and 110, whatever the age was, you brought their death forward. They were still dead to God. They still deserved eternal death, but they brought their ages forward to them, to being for, them, for, for their death. Last question for today. I told you it was heavy. How are we going? Are we going okay? Those online, feel free to put a comment in the chat box. How are we going? Last question is this. How does this relate to us? Four things for you. Here's number one. How does this relate to us? Sin is serious. Sin is serious. Missing the mark is serious. The Bible says we've all done it. And we all deserve death. The reality is we all deserve to be wiped out. God, deserve, God right now should just come and just go, you know what? You're all messed up. You're all falling short like the flood. Wipe it all out. That's, that's what we deserve because of our sin. Our sin, because of our sin, we deserve death. God is a holy God, a God who is pure in all his ways, in all his attributes, in his character. And he made us to live like him. And they did it for a time. And then they rebelled. People rebelled and, and uh, we rebel. And we all deserve death. Second point, oh, for some reason that came in third. I don't know why that did. Second point, there is hope. There is hope. There is Jesus. You know, sin is so serious that, that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for us. That God came himself. He didn't ask some other person or some other angel or some other being to deal with people's sin. God came in flesh Jesus the Son died on a cross for us. And because of his death, he made a way for my sin to be forgiven, for the death that is upon my life to go upon Jesus. And that, I can, that I'm no longer dead to God, but alive to God, that I can have a relationship with him now. And then when I get to the last day and judged, God doesn't see me as a sinner, but he sees me as his righteousness because of what Christ has done for us. Friends, there is hope. The hope means to be, there's assurance, there's certainty in Christ Jesus that if you put your trust in him, you can have eternal life. Your sin can be forgiven. You're no longer under this death sentence. The third thing that's already up there is to examine yourself. You know, even as a Christian, although you're righteous, although you're holy and blameless in God's sight, we still get it wrong. And God doesn't want us to be sinning. He wants us to be living a life that honors him. And it's important that we examine ourselves. You know, for, the, for, the, for, for all the ites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, their thing was that they were worshipping other gods. And for us today, anything that's more important than God in our lives is an idol. And it's important that we examine ourselves and say, God, what are the idols in my life? Are there any? What could be an idol? And if you've recognised an idol, ask God to forgive you for that. But it's not just around the idol. Remember, it's the behaviour that the idol brought. And we've got to think about those things that are really important to us 
And, and uh, how does, what does that lead to? How are we responding? What are we allowing in to our minds? Because that then grabs our heart and our mind and then that affects us and we live it out. We're going to examine ourselves and the final thing I want to say is this. Live a life that honors Jesus. As a Christian, you deserve death, but there is hope in Christ. Examine yourself, commit your life to him, and then choose to live a life that, that pleases him. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, it talked about God calling his people, the Israelites, to be a holy people, a treasured possession. Well, that thought is now also for us in Christ Jesus. Look what it says in 1 Peter 2.9. The apostle Peter is writing to the believers. He says, but you are a chosen people. If you're a Christian today, this is for you. You can grab it. You can, you can make this your own. I'm going to make it my own. For I am a chosen person. I am a royal priest, I suppose. I belong to a holy nation. I am God's special possession, that I may declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We can change those words to make it personal because it's true for us. For we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God has chosen us to belong to him, not just um, servants, but priests, people who can go to him directly. They were called to be separate from the rest of the world, where to live in the world, but not be of the world, but to be his people in the world. Another place, Peter says that we are aliens. We're called to live differently in the world. Did I really do that? <laughs> why? Why? That we may declare, why? That we may declare the praises of him. And it's not just in those 17 minutes on a 20 minutes on a Sunday morning where we sing those lovely songs, but it's a life of declaration, declaring what is done. God has loved me. God has chosen me. So I, I see myself as God sees me, and therefore I'm loving towards you. I am merciful and I'm kind because of what Christ has done in me. I declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into a wonderful light. Sin is serious. There is hope. Examine yourself. Live a life that honors Jesus. You know, as, as we come to the, to the end of this message, I started by talking about reading the scripture like this. And it is like that. I, I really don't like those scriptures where God tells people to wipe them out. Imagine if he told us that today. I mean, how would you? I don't even know. I don't even know how that would go. Praise God, he's not going to do that. We're under a new covenant, yeah? Covenant of grace. And that sin is dealt with through Christ and God is out of his kindness allowing time for people to repent until the end. Praise God for that. And it's in those moments of scripture where we, where we read those difficult texts. It can mess up with our face. It can really stir us up. But let me encourage you, as you read these texts, as you go through life and God does stuff you don't expect or doesn't do things that you want him to do, don't allow that to rock your faith. Rather dig deeper. Ask questions, and sometimes God will give you the answer, and sometimes he won't. You just won't know why. I don't know why. But that's an opportunity to, to go, you know what, God, I'm, I'm going to trust you anyway. I'm going to rely on you anyway. I'm going to trust your word anyway. And as you dig deeper like we've done today, we see the reason. And because God is a holy God, a pure God, and he's not going to allow sin to go on forever. Sin deserves death, and he brought... Those people who sinned and sinned and continually sinned, you brought their death forward because they deserve death. But he also protected his people because he didn't want them to be influenced. 
How do we respond? We're going to take sin seriously. Recognize there is hope for us in Jesus. Amen. Examine yourself and live a life that honors him. I want you to take 30 seconds and I want you to pray. I just want you to reflect. Sit with the Lord and say, God, what do you want to say to me today? Maybe there's something that stood out. Something that's been triggered. We're going to have a time of prayer at the end, but I just want you to spend 30 seconds in prayer. Take some time now. Maybe you're here today and you've heard about the seriousness of sin or you're watching online and you've heard the seriousness of sin and, and you've never committed your life to Jesus. Well, the Bible says that you deserve death. It doesn't sound nice, but that's reality. But that's not the end of the story, for God loves you. <laughs> he loves you so much that he didn't want you to die. He wants you to live and he sent his son, Jesus. And if you want to become a Christian, if you want to live forever with Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity to pray a prayer and commit your life to him, whether you're doing this online or in the room. Let's pray this together. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I want to pray for everyone who's prayed that prayer. Father, I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. And this decision that they've made will not be a one-off decision, but it'll be a life, a lifelong decision where they choose to follow you all their days. For everybody, Lord, who's heard this message, Father, I pray that as we think about this stuff, as we wrestle through these difficult things, that we will recognize that you are a God of holiness and desire and require holiness. And the only way we can be holy in your sight is through Jesus. Help us to put our trust in Jesus for, for forgiveness of sin. Put our trust in Jesus for eternal life. And respond to that by living a way that pleases you, that honors you in every area. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. We're going to say goodbye to those watching online. You guys are going to have some reflection questions now. Thanks for joining us. Bless you. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.